Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Livesy, joined by my co-host and I, Joey Ikes. Uh, we're here to recap week one and get into a week two preview. We obviously had a fun one to talk that we're going to spend time talking about today. Um, the 40 to nothing win over the New York Giants on Sunday Night Football for the first win of the season. And we're going to look to get into what we hope to be the second win of the season here in a few uh, as the Cowboys take on the Jets in the home opener in week two on Sunday uh, 425 Eastern, 325 Central Time. We're going to get into that one here in, here in a bit. But let's uh, let's recap and talk a little bit about this fun 40 to nothing win, one of the best, most exciting wins this team's had in recent memory. You know, it's been a lot of topic for conversation on some shows. Uh, we'll get into all that before we do. Joey, how are you? How'd you, how'd you enjoy that week one victory? I'm doing well, man. I, I can't tell you how many times I just laugh. <laughs> like the, the Cowboys defense would be on the field and the Giants would snap the ball and I would just laugh. And my wife would be like, what's funny? I was like, they can't do anything. Like, it, it, the, nothing it can happen. And it was it was remarkable to watch. It really was. I mean, it, it was – it was just one of the – I mean, you watch football all day. You spend all Sunday watching games – like sure, there were some teams that looked good. There were some teams that impressed, but for the most part, a lot of it was sloppy. Um, offense, defense. You know, defenses were kind of kicking ass early, which is kind of natural for the way things have been going re- here recently with teams not playing a lot of their their guys in preseason. But um, even then, you had some defenses that just really couldn't get it figured out. You know, the weather wasn't great, uh, but man, I mean, you know, a lot of people might have some concerns about the offense, but I think me and you texted back and forth a little bit, like outside of some nitpicking, like the offense looked good. The defense dominated. The special teams look good besides a mix missed extra point. There just, there wasn't much to complain or have concerns about after this game. Yeah, no, it was, it really was one of the most dominant performances you will ever see in an NFL game. And like, I don't remember who it was there. It was a new stat Opta stats or something like that, that tweeted something about how the giants got, or the Cowboys outscored the giants 40 to nothing out sacked them seven to nothing, won the turnover battle three to nothing, ran an interception back for a touchdown and blocked a field goal for a touchdown. And I think those were the five things. 
And no team in NFL history had ever had that happen to them all in the same season. And it all happened to the Giants in week one. Wow. Like, it, just a, an absolutely dominant performance in all three phases of the game. And, you know, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about the offense. because I mean, the defense speaks for itself, right? The performance, the depth, the just the all of it, the manhandling that they did of another NFL team is just ridiculous. Lot, lots of conversation about that. But even the offense, you know, by, I think by EPA per play, they were like sixth in the league in week one by EPA per play on offense. Yeah, in, a, in a game that they like right. stopped playing two and a half quarters in because they didn't yeah, they, have to. They, and they like, literally you know, had their backups playing the last, what, drive or two of the game, which was – a lot of the game left. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I think Cooper Rush came in with like 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter or something like that. Um, so it, just crazy. Yeah, Cooper Rush took his first nap at 11 minutes and 19 seconds. Yeah, that's 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 a lot of time. Yeah. Like I said like, and again, like that's the crazy thing is, you know, as you mentioned, like they finished sixth in EPA. EPA per play, they finished eighth in success rate. They finished sixth in drop pack EPA. So it's like people were like, oh, Dak was rusty. And, and sure, like there was probably two or three throws, which again, they're playing in rain, which I feel like everybody kept bringing up and it, until this game came on and then it didn't matter anymore. <laughs> but, right. um, you know, it's like if you're complaining about the offense and the quarterback when they're posting top five ish stats that needs to tell you all you need to know and that you should probably just stop complaining because you're com- if, if you're going to complain about that you're going to complain about just about every other quarterback in the league i was going to say except for patrick mahomes but if you compare the drop back epa and all that stuff you probably would have complained about him too so <laughs> right just i mean crazy it was it was just remarkable what what they did across the entire team and like you said, uh, you know, I think they they scored on five out of seven possessions. Whenever Dak was in the when Dak was, and the starters were in the game, they punted twice. One was with twenty three seconds or with forty two seconds left or something like yeah, forty two seconds left in the half. They went three and out when they you know they were winning what twenty six to nothing at the time or something like that. Yeah. and they punt with with forty seconds left in the game. Um, and then the next one was the last possession of the third quarter. They punted. They went four downs and got one first down. I think they had a or yeah, they got they got one first down and then punted. Like they they just dominated the game in every phase from the very beginning of the game. And it was like I I'm almost speechless. Like it was just remarkable. Like. Yeah, it 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 true. Like I said, like there's just we don't want to come on here and make it seem like you know we're that meme of the Cowboys fan that you know this is our year or anything like that. Because I think it's still premature to think that. But this, you know, you I'm always you know talked about as the pessimistic guy on Twitter. You know that hates everything they do. I know you you know you talk a lot about some of the negative of the front office and that stuff, but like. We've been so excited about this team from pretty much 
the end of the year, you know, once they started making some of those moves, the trades, you know, they brought some guys back. You're, you're looking at like, we've just, there's been so much positivity because we actually feel really good about the way this team looks this year. And then when you come out week one and you play like that in all three phases, you go, this, thank you. This is what we've been asking for and looking for, for the last, you know, 10, 15 years. And you have finally done, you've traded those picks for, for veterans that are, you know, at important positions, you didn't solely rely on the draft and they, they covered all their bases in the off season. And again, it's one week, but the first showing of what that looks like couldn't lead to any really negative results or things that you're really concerned about. Yeah. I mean, even like, you know, the offense played for three quarters basically. And really they didn't even play that because they, Barely had the ball in the first quarter because yeah. of the because of the way the special teams and defensive touchdowns. special teams and defensive touchdowns they lost two possessions in the first quarter and like CD Lamb is on a thirteen hundred yard pace for the season he has seventy seven yards that's over thirteen hundred yards if you run that out for the whole season <laughs> now not nobody else really did a whole lot receiving. Now, Brandon Cooks well, had yeah. a big pass interference yeah. penalty. And, and I, I was going to bring that up because I saw that, like, and again, like, people were just looking for stuff to talk bad about. But, like, I saw people being like, I thought Brandon Cooks was going to be some big addition. I was like, sure. In the game where they were up 26 to nothing with really having two offensive series, he had two catches for, you know, big third down conversion and then a huge penalty. It was third and 16 backed up on their own end, and he – drew a DPI that put them in scoring position just about from backed up on their own end. So like, even though the stat sheet's not loaded, his impact on the game was just as, you know, big as anybody else on that offensive side of the ball, really. Yeah. Like had the big third down reception, or it may have even been fourth down, the big reception to convert the, uh, to convert for a first down, like just the ability to throw that ball to somebody besides CD lamb Yep. And it be that securely executed. That is a huge difference from last year's team to this year's team. And you know, there's the the conversation about the tight ends. It's going to have to happen, right? right. Three that's the drops, one thing. I yep, I think that's the one thing you can point to and go, okay, that didn't look great. But even though, like, they blocked their tails off, man. Like yep. the the twenty five yard run that Tony Pollard had. That is a, t- a tight end setup run. The way they the way they schemed that, and it was beautifully executed. And the like, there are multiple plays like that where you go through it, and it's the tight ends just like doing their job in the in the passing game or in the running game. And then, you know, it it is raining. Like sure. the other guys didn't have as much trouble with drops, but who knows the specific situations that happened with those particular plays. Now, the Peyton Hendershot play, he's got to make – I mean, really, they've got to make those plays no matter right. what. But in the context of what they were playing in, who really knows what what the causes were for that? But, like, other than that, I mean, they got the ball to Cavante Turpin five times. Out of the backfield, too, which I liked. Exactly. Like, had a rushing touchdown. Like, what world are we living in? Right yeah. And, and that was – I'm not gonna lie. Like I think I, I, you know, ran the blogging the boys Twitter on game days for the most part, most of the time. And like before the game, like I put out, you know, list, you know, rank the 
not ranked, but uh, it was a poll, you know, I polled concerns, you know, and I was like, one of my biggest ones, and it's not like I'm like, oh, I'd say it's one of my biggest ones just because of how well this team's put together, but I was like, Mike McCarthy play caller, is it going to be this bland, you know, slant flat, inside run, stretch run type of game plan that we saw at Green Bay towards the end of Aaron Rodgers' career, or is it going to be the Dan Quinn version of Mike McCarthy where he's gone into this lab and figured some things out. He's he, he's really progressed as a play caller and play designer. And, you know, some of that's Brian Schottenheimer too, who doesn't have the, didn't have the best and maybe didn't have the, the greatest, you know, sunshine and rainbows since around him this off season. But um, I was just, for the most part, I was really impressed with what those guys did. I liked a lot of the designs. They schemed things open. There were some times where I went, okay, you know, that, that had some Kellen Moore stuff to it where it might've been a little too much going on there. But I mean, I was very impressed with the way that they got guys open um, how easy things looked. Even some of the contested throws that Dak made, it's not like there was, you know, three guys in the same area. A lot of it was just, you know, a tight window throw to a guy open in the end zone or a guy, you know, Jake Ferguson, I think was a, you know, a, a, a victim there of a couple of those where he just couldn't quite bring in some, you know, 50-50 balls. But um, I just, I was very impressed with pretty much everything. I mean, again, like we're not trying to we're not trying to be that 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 show or those people right now, but just everything they did on Sunday night was is it as impressive as it could get, except for a couple of those drops. And like I said, the offensive line I think was knocking a little bit of rust off playing together as a unit for the first time. But other than that, there just there aren't many negatives to really bring up and talk about. Not at all. And like even something simple, like there was one penalty called on the offense all day, and it was in the third quarter. Terrence Steele got a, a a a false start penalty. It was the only penalty on the offense the entire game. They only had five penalties the whole game, and one of them was on the first drive. That was, you know, the quarterback slides, and it, you know, whatever. I don't blame Jay Jay Ron Curse for taking that shot. I probably would have tried to take it too on that slide because you got to early in that game. You're trying to send a message to Daniel Jones that you're not just going to run around all day. Um, but other than that, like, all the other penalties were five-yard penalties. There weren't very many of them. They, like, there was no pre-snap stuff. They, every, they were on the road. Now, granted, by the time they really were on the field very much, the game was practically over. But there were no issues with the operation. There were no issues with, you know, getting plays in on time. There were no issues with guys getting lined up. There, None of that. It was just call the play, get on the field, run the play. A lot of time it's going to be successful, even if it's not explosive, and away we go. And it was just – it was awesome. Like, it was a great game really all around. Dak goes – that's a – that's a we talked about whoever wins the, the front is going to win the game, and the Cowboys dominated the front on both sides. Dak yeah. didn't get sacked at all. I don't even – I mean, he got hit maybe twice. Yeah, two maybe? three times. And that's it? Like, just – yeah, the, the official game book has three quarterback hits or quarterback hurries in it for, for the defense. For the Two of them by Dexter Lawrence, not surprising. And then one by Jihad Ward, which is a little surprising. Well, isn't, isn't that what we kind of talked about last week too, like – this is something we thought that Jerry, Steven, like, 
we'd seen the Kellen like we we'd seen the offense survive when they were missing a couple guys or like a little banged up, but like they, they was too inconsistent. And I think we mentioned that last week on the show is like I think that's some something that they wanted a change on. It's like, hey, we we shouldn't need all five starting offensive linemen for 17 games to remain a consistent high powered offense. Um and you know that Chuma Dogu gets to start at left guard. He's a guy we've talked about on the show a lot. You know, I feel like me and you are probably one of the few people who are like, guys, you guys are making way too big of a deal. Of, you know, we think this this offense offensive line depth's a lot better than a lot of people were thinking it is. I mean, that was a topic of conversation for a week or two at this point, where people were panicking that this game was going to get turned on its head because Tyler Smith wasn't playing, and I felt like we tried to do the job of, hey guys, let's tap the brakes a little bit. Like, even if he doesn't play, we think that they're they're going to be good enough there to survive and probably more than enough survive. And they obviously did. Um, Adoga played well. I thought, I honestly thought the, the Tyler Biotish was probably the least impressive offensive lineman that I saw on the tape. Um, and that might've been because he's, you know, helping Adoga out a little bit there. Um, but I think that that bodes well for offensive line depth. You got some guys that you can maybe rely on in a, in a, in a pinch, um, your wide receiver depth, even though, you know, you didn't have to really air it out. I thought, you know, Jalen Tolbert made plays on special teams, made some nice blocks. The tight ends blocked really well. Your two starters at receiver made some big plays and made a big impact. And your running game, like, again, like we're, we'll get to, we're going to get to next week and maybe how things are going to get a little bit tougher, but it just, it was a very, very good week for the the Cowboys and their uh, showing in week one. Um, well, let's go ahead and move on to week two. You know, we, we, we've gushed enough. Um, we didn't even talk about the defense a lot, but I just feel like at this point it's overstated just how dominant and great they went. Uh, where we talked about how, you know, a lot of these offensive guys and how you know well they looked, even though it's not being talked about enough. But, you know, I, I don't know if you could point to a, a player on defense that did not show up and look really good. Could you, can you? Can you think his um, just did not play well? No, not really. I Mozzie mean, Smith showed up. Like, yes, like Mozzie Smith showed up. Osa was unbelievable. Jonathan Hankins was really good. Dante like, Fowler, Dorrance yes, Armstrong. They were all really. I mean, Malik Hooker dropped an interception. Like, <laughs> that might be really- the biggest criticism of the entire defense was that Malik Hooker had a ball hit him in the chest and he didn't catch it. Yeah. I mean, if, you're, like the, if, if you go back to the very first drive of the game for the Giants, you could say that what we kind of talked about last week, that like maybe they were playing a little too hot and heavy and got out of those rush lanes, gave up some of the run fits. And the first series, you were kind of going, oh, shit. But they quickly said, yeah, OK, we got that out of the way. Let's get back to playing our game. <laughs> yeah. And they, they also started small on the defensive line. Yeah. Like you know, they have they have listed on the on the game book. They have Jonathan Hankins listed as a starter, but there was a period of time in that first drive for several plays where the defensive tackles were Osa Odigizua and Chauncey Golston were the defensive tackles on that first series. So, of course, they're going to give up some yardage against the run. Like that's two defensive tackles that neither of them weigh three hundred pounds. Yeah. And and then neither of the defensive ends weigh two fifty five probably at this point, so you're going to give up some rush yards. But even then, the only big play on that series was a Daniel Jones scramble with a J. Rock curse penalty <laughs> on it. Yeah, like that was that was what turned that series from a oh they're going to wind up punting at the forty yard line to a 
uh, missed field goal was a 15-yard penalty. Yeah, I think they gave up a second and 10 first down on a run maybe. I think Chauncey Golson might have gotten moved. I think they had him on the field. They thought it was going to be a passing down, and they decided to run a – I can't remember if it was a draw or just an inside handoff out of shotgun. I think they picked up nine or ten yards on that. But, yeah, I mean, it was like after that they, they kind of locked in a little bit, and from there there was literally no looking back. Yeah, like he, he didn't – Daniel Jones did not attempt a pass on the first drive because he dropped back three times, I think, four times, and had to scramble every time. Yeah. Because there was nobody open and the rush was already on him in the first series. That was it was not a oh they were rolling and then bad things started happening. It was uh they were already running for their lives from the second snap of the game. And it just continued to show over and over and over. It was awesome. I think anyway, on the, to week two. Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> last thing I'll say on week one, I think the best thing for me and the most fun thing for me when you go back and watch the tape and you really like you draw your conclusion on it is I think every unit started off poorly. I don't even want to say poorly. Like they started off like a little rough, knocking the rust off. And then like they quickly just snapped into things and said, all right, that, that was our warm up period. Let, let's go. Like offense, first drive. Um, they stalled, had to kick the field goal. Aubrey missed the, the extra point, his first thing. And then he was money from there on defense gave up some plays and then they were electric from there on. So it's just like, Pretty much every position group and every side of the ball, like, kind of had their knock off the rust period, which lasted a total of like a drive, if if that. And then they're like, "All right, we're done screwing around. Let's get this thing together," which is what you want to see. Yep, exactly. And even like, I think if they weren't already ahead six nothing, and right hadn't gone, you know, they went blocked field goal touchdown, three and out drive all the way down to the two-yard line, and it's fourth and two. In another game, we've seen Mike McCarthy go for that fourth and two there early in games like that. It's almost I, I almost wonder if he was like, you know what, we need to get Brandon Aubrey an easy kick under his belt. Yeah. We'll, be up, we'll go up two scores. They're not going to move the ball on us. We're going to be fine. And then he was very quickly – very quickly proven proven correct. But uh but yeah, I mean they drove from the twenty six to the two yard line, like on their first the first possession of the season. Like it was anyway, on to week two. We can talk yep. about that game over and over and over. Yeah, let's uh support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Let's get into week two. We think this one could be a little bit tougher, um, especially from an offense and defensive matchup for the Cowboys. Um, From a defensive matchup, it's probably going to be the same, if not maybe even a little bit uh, easier for this defense. Like I said, obviously we hope they don't take the cheese too much and they come out and still play with their hair on fire. But uh, obviously the Aaron Rodgers injury, torn Achilles happened Early in last night's game on Monday Night Football, uh, we're recording this Tuesday night. So, yeah, Monday Night Football, four plays in. Aaron Rodgers tears his Achilles out for the year. And Zach Wilson takes over. Led the Jets to a win over the Bills. Um, I was able to kind of sit down and watch some of the Jets today on defense. Obviously, that defense kind of leads the way for them right now. Um, Still not a whole lot clicking on offense for the the Zach Wilson-led Jets, but they do have some weapons. Garrett Wilson's really looking to take that leap. Uh, but that defense is loaded with some players and and, and is going to definitely give the Cowboys some fits um, and make them really uh, play a much, I hate to say cleaner, because I think the Cowboys game plan last, last week was was still clean, but uh, maybe make them be a little bit more explosive this week than they had to be last, year, last week uh, against the Giants. So let's get into this matchup, just some players and matchups we're looking forward to seeing. Uh, I'll let you start it off, man. What, what's that one one matchup at the top of your list that you're kind of highlighting and looking forward to seeing and think can be a big uh, X factor in this game. You know, we're, we're going to wind up saying this group, oh, this combination several times, I think. It's going to come down to the Cowboys' ability to block this Jets front. And if there is a front that rivals the Cowboys in terms of quality and depth, it's probably the Jets in the entire league. Even, even the 49ers – and maybe the Eagles are close, but the 49ers have like Joey Bosa and Eric Armstead and a bunch of other guys. Um, this Jets squad goes eight, nine, ten deep on the front, just like the Cowboys does. And there, there's a first-team All-Pro that leads the charge in Quentin Williams. He just happens to do it from the inside, but they just got dudes all over the defensive line. And – the Cowboys are going to have to be able to block them because we just saw what happens um, when you can't block the other team. Now, I, I I feel a lot. I feel pretty confident that the Jets aren't going to be able to block the Cowboys. But if the Cowboys can't block the Jets, we're going to wind up with like a six-three race to return a, an interception for a touchdown if we uh, if if we can't block them up. This might be my optimism coming off a week one victory, like it did. I'm not as concerned about this Jets defense as a lot of people are. And like yeah, that's I mean, after, that's after going back and watching them. Like, like, don't get me wrong. I know the the narrative last night is you know the Jets defense and they did. They led them to victory last last night against the Bills, but that wasn't a performance where like Josh Allen was trying to make some tight window throws, you know, against one-on-one coverage and the ball got picked off. That was just a lot of very poor decision making from Josh Allen's part that pretty much kept the Jets in the game. And I'm sure everybody who's been talking about Dak's interceptions are going to go, well, your quarterback's capable of doing that too. But I just think that some of those picks that 
Allen made last night were, weren't the picks that we've seen Dak make. We've seen Dak make, you know, balls over the middle of the field, um, not necessarily throwing in the double coverage windows. And and I, I, I just think that, sure, they played really well last night and they were the ma- main reason that the Jets won, but I'm just not as – I think this offensive line for the Cowboys played really, really well against a strong New York Giants front. I think they can do the same thing uh, this coming up week against the Jets front. And I think that with what we saw from McCarthy in this offense, I just, I still think that they can go put up 27, 28, 30 points on this, this Jets defense. And, you know, obviously with the Cowboys defense against that Jets offensive line and quarterback, I just, I don't have much of a concern about them going out and taking care of business this week either. Maybe that's week one optimism, but that's just kind of my thought after watching both games and, and seeing both teams play here in the last couple yeah, of Yeah, I'll say this. Uh, I, if the one thing that the Cowboys are going to have to do better in week two than they did in week one, which is going to like a hard thing to find that they need to do anything better. They've got to be more efficient on early downs. Yes. Because if, because Dak worked magic on, on late downs, which is, you know, he, that's what he's, he's done in his entire career at this point. Like we've got, we've, but if you get in true passing situations against the Jets and you let, because this is, if I were a defensive coordinator coaching against the Cowboys, this is what I would do if I could get in third down situations, especially if I have, a Quinta Williams on my team. I'm lining up in a 5-0 front, and I'm forcing Tyler Biotish to block Quinta Williams one-on-one every single true passing down situation. And I'm making those guys fan why I'm you know I'm playing my defensive ends in nine techniques, my defensive tackles in four eyes, and I'm playing Quinta Williams right on Tyler Biotish's nose. Because I've got enough speed from my from my defensive ends on the Jets and my other defensive tackles who are, you know, they've got some guys that play inside outside too. That if I put Quentin Williams over Tyler Biotish, I feel like he can win that matchup three times and it turn into sacks. And that Tyler Biotish is a good player. Like this is not me criticizing yeah. Tyler Biotish. But against a size strength power athlete like Quentin Williams, like Dexter Lawrence. We saw it happen a couple of times against yep. the Giants. Dak was able to get the ball out. But if it's third and 10 and Dak's got to hold on to the ball and that they line up and, and put that situation in place, it could it's going to give them some problems because it's going to be right in Dak's face and, and all that kind of stuff. So they've got to be more efficient on early downs and keep them from being able to line up this group in a 5-0 front, one-on-one with each one of these Cowboys blockers, I feel pretty good about, especially if Tyler Smith is back out there at guard, I feel pretty good about the rest of the Cowboys' offensive line blocking blocking those guys in most of those situations. But there's that one matchup on the inside that I feel like Robert Sala can take advantage of in there that – that could cause problems pretty significantly because of where it's located – on the field in relation to the ball and the pocket and that specific situation. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I don't disagree with anything you said there. Like I said, I think that, I think, you know, Quinn and Williams and, you know, while it was Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams against Adoga or whoever we were, you know, highlighting last week, you know, I think that's Quinn and Williams against Biotis this week. And um, that's going to be one of the, the keys to, to kind of pay attention to and look into, but um 
that's that's one thing I almost didn't like about how bad that game got for the Giants last week is just seeing, you know, with some of the conservativeness of that offense just due to being a three-possession game pretty much after eight, nine, ten minutes, you know, because at that point, you know, there's no reason to do anything crazy. There's no reason to really show your hand but so much or take too many chances. Um, and, again, like the one thing that I think we keep forgetting a little bit from last week, and I know we mentioned it, but, like, how much worse does that game look or how much worse better do we feel about that offense if three of the four drops get hauled in, you know, which one happened on third down, one would have been a touchdown. Like, even though things were ugly, it could have gotten even worse for the Giants and it could have made us feel a lot better if just a couple of those balls that were dropped uh, were hauled in and then a couple of those throws that maybe sailed a little bit, whether that was because of the rain or just rust. Obviously, you hope that that's going to be a little bit better. So, um yeah, I don't know. Like I said, like obviously the Jets defense is talented. We saw that last year. They 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 even look stronger this year. But man, just the way that the the offensive line held up against that Giants front, which I think is not as good as the Jets, but you know, not not too far off from that with Kayvon Thibodeau and Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. Like they got some dudes up front there that can they can really wreak havoc and the way they were able to block them up last week, I think that that they'll be ready for that challenge this week. It just it comes down to not, you know turning the ball over three times, four times, like we saw Josh Allen do on Monday night and pretty much give the Jets that that game because all he had to do was, you know, play it as conservative as you could have and not turn the ball over, which we talk about on the show we don't like. But, I mean, just some of those decisions that Josh Allen was making on Monday night were just mind-boggling. And, you know, I know you were having fun with it on Twitter and I was saying some stuff too. It's just like those are the plays that y'all think Dak makes and it's really not even close to being the same thing. <laughs> Right, and, or they think that Dak is the only player who makes mistakes. Right. He's the only guy, the, or that, let me say it this way, that really great quarterbacks don't make poor plays. Right. Because unless your name is Patrick Mahomes, you're going to have a handful of just poor plays within a game. All of them. Every, one of, every quarterback not named Patrick Mahomes has a handful of bad plays in a game. A missed read, a throw that's not exactly right, all that kind of stuff. Um. But the thing about what happened on Monday night was that in the context of that game, Josh Allen didn't need to be a hero, right? Like, he didn't need to go for some crazy yardage number because you knew four plays into the game, okay, the Jets aren't scoring any points here. And so once you know they're not scoring any points – now all I have to do is not give them points, not give them the game. And he throws – I think he threw at least three interceptions. Three maybe interceptions. Four, and three. Yeah. Ball, I knew he threw three to the same guy. So Three, three interceptions and a ball bounced off his chest and fumbled and gave him – Yeah, four turnovers. Okay, that, I knew I knew there was three interceptions and four turnovers. Okay, that makes sense. Like, all you, ha- all you have to do is execute. You don't have to go above and beyond. All you have to do is execute. And to me, that was like the most encouraging thing about what happened with the offense for the Cowboys in week one was that they were hyper-efficient. Like I said, drove from the 25 to the two extremely easily on their first drive. Like no no resistance, that's the word I'm looking for, at all. Yeah, our our biggest biggest concern – from the offense in week one is CD Lamb's got to knock you know, knock some weight down so he can outrun that DB and score. 
right. Like, I mean, have you watched? Have you listened to the sounds or watched Sounds of the Sideline yet? I have not. No, that I, I look forward to that at, every week. They though. were absolutely <laughs> killing him. They're like Micah and all those guys were like, "Oh, I bet so. That's amazing." Um, if that was me, I would have been gone. We got. We, I think Micah was like, "We got to go have a conversation with him." That was ugly. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. So funny. That's beautiful. I'm gonna watch that as soon as we get off here. But but yeah, like there was no resistance to what they did on that first drive. None. I mean, a 49 yard completion on the third play of the game. Like it was easy for them to go down, and then they you know get to the six yard line. There's two incompletions to the tight end, and they punt or they they kick the field goal on fourth and two instead of going for it on fourth and goal to two. Like. And then the next time they got the ball, it was the second quarter, and it was 16 to nothing. The next time they got the ball. And they drove all the way down the field again from the 18-yard line – or no, excuse me, from the 20-yard line to the 8-yard line and kicked another field goal on another incomplete pass to the tight end. We had that conversation already, right? Like, there was no resistance at all to what the Cowboys were doing. And they knew it, so they didn't, ha- they didn't have to push it. It was, it was just so – it's almost one of those, like, hey, it was so easy. They, they didn't have to go into their bag of tricks for what they may have wanted to do in the second half of this game because they're like, you know what, we got to play the Giants again. We got to play the Eagles. We got to play – the Jets next week. We got to play some really good teams. The defense has got this one, guys. Let's take it home. And Josh Allen could have very easily said, "Hey, you know what? All I got to do is execute. Just hit open guys. Make the make the easy play that's there. Because that's really the thing that makes the quarterbacks elite is they just make every easy play. Yep. And he just didn't. He he makes he tends to make plays hard for himself. And uh, and that's uh, that's what winds up happening when you do. But from a Cowboys standpoint, you can almost go into this game with a similar idea. They're not going to score on you. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, outside of Garrett Wilson on the offense, there's not really anybody that scares you. Brees Hall's a running back. Like, if you can stop they, – they beefed up to stop the run. Okay, we, we believe we can stop the run. We know they're not going to be able to protect us, and Garrett Wilson's the only receiver we really have to worry about all that much from a, a wide receiver standpoint. All right, we can handle that. Offense, go out, put up 17 to 24 points, and we'll win this game pretty easily. And that, you know, you can't ever go into a game thinking that. you got to go into a game planning on scoring. But if they just execute, they're going to be just fine. Yeah, and I'm I'm very curious, you know, like I'm sure the Jets game plan coming out with Zach Wilson, the quarterback's gonna be to try to run the ball. And, you know, I'm interested to see how the Cowboys kind of, you know, because that that I mean, that's the one thing that we didn't see last week because they had to go away from it quicker than they probably wanted to, is just, you know, can they hold up, you know, against in a tight game and in that, you know, 17-17, you know, 21-20 game, you know, like can that run defense play top-notch run defense for for four quarters? You know, we didn't really get to see that last week. I think that's one of the one questions we got about the defense. 
um, I wouldn't say the question, but just, you know, the one we thing we didn't really get an answer to last week. Um, so I'm interested to see what they do with Dalvin Cook and, and Brees Hall, who looked good last week uh, or, or looked good on Monday night for the Jets. Um, but, man, like going back to what we were talking about earlier, like what, what offensive line's worse, the Giants or the Jets? Because both of them are very good. Yeah, I mean, no, neither of them are very good. <laughs> Like you said, on paper, I'd probably take the Giants if we're being complete. Like, like, oh yeah, I think the best, like the best offensive line men of the ten right. is Andrew Thomas. So you probably got to take that one, right? But uh, and the and the Cowboys just made them look like they weren't even there, right? And and now they get to go up against a a worse offensive line with a less competent offensive coordinator, worse quarterback. I think it's safe to say a worse quarterback. I think it's safe to say. And what uh, a little bit better pass catcher group. Yeah. Uh, On the whole, Garrett Wilson is the best pass catcher of the two teams by a a lot. Um, But I don't know how much better the rest of the jets group is than what the giants were running out there. Did you you, you got a chance to watch much of the jets yet? Just their game from Monday night. No, I watched it live, but I haven't watched it back. No. Well, one thing that did surprise me a little bit, like I'm not going to say that this is, I didn't think that uh, Sauce Gardner had a great game. Which different, you know, Stefan Diggs is a guy who kind of moves around a lot, very similar to CeeDee Lamb. But CeeDee Lamb is playing a ton in the slot right now. I don't know if Gardner's going to travel with CD or not. Um uh, very interested to see how they kind of play that up. But I didn't think that Sauce had this dominant, you know, when I thought last year Gardner was one of, if not the best corners in the league. And he just, I thought he looked, and again, knocking off Russ, whatever that is, he looked very rusty, I thought, uh, in week one against a tough, you know, tough matchup in Stefan Diggs. Yeah. And the thing about the Jets is the one thing I know about the Jets from prior years, and I, it didn't look like watching it live, it changed. They don't move their corners. Uh-uh. Their corners are going to play sides. You know, Robert Sala comes from that, you know, super traditional Pete Carroll tree of we play our corners on one side and that's how we play them. Um, and so Sauce is going to line up on the left side of the defense and he's going to play the outside guy on the left side. So if if you really wanted to, you could have Sauce Gardner guard Jalen Tolbert and Tavante Turpin all day. And you could have – or, you know, you could put Michael Gallup on that side, just let him guard Michael Gallup all day and just move Brandon Cooks and C.D. Lamb around all over the other side and just let them go against the rest of the guys. Now, D.J. Reed, I think, is their other corner, is a good player. The, sa- the yes. safeties are obviously good players, you know. The linebackers are good. Like, it's a good defense. But if the Cowboys execute, they can move the ball on anybody because we've seen them move the ball on everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's ultimately what it comes down to is not it's a, <laughs> not doing what Josh Allen did Monday Exactly. Night. It's a it's an interesting position. And you know, I tweeted this before the beginning of the before the start of the season, is that like my semi hot take is that the Cowboys are the best team in the league. And like from a top to bottom roster construction, offensive defensive balance, and all that other kind of stuff. Quarterback combined with pass catchers, combined with pass rush, combined with offensive line. 
which is really the things that matter, right? And it's a it's an interesting position that I, I don't know that I've ever been in in my time covering and following the Cowboys this closely um, to feel that way. Yeah. And so like uh, even even with Aaron, even if Aaron Rodgers had played, unless they had just like blown the doors off of Buffalo last night, I don't know that I would go into this game worried that the Cowboys couldn't beat them. Yeah, I agree. That's that was kind of like I said, that main point I made is just like I know that the you know Jets beat a good Bills team and the defense is being talked about, you know, in 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 that top three or four tier right now, and it's just like I kind of look at it, watch them on tape. Watched the Cowboys playing a monsoon on tape and went, yeah, just not all that worried. And again, I, you know, <laughs> Sunday at nine o'clock, I might be kicking my words around and going, damn it, I was an idiot for thinking that. But just watching them on tape and seeing the way they play and seeing, you know, those few areas that were still good but could still get cleaned up from the Cowboys and maybe not playing in soaking wet rain and not having a four possession lead for most of the game and being able to just play a little bit more open and aggressive on offense. I just, I think that, I don't know. We'll go ahead and get into that now, but we'll go ahead and give our picks for, for week two Cowboys jets, four twenty five, three twenty five, central at AT&T stadium. Joey, what you got? I got 24 to 13 Cowboys. All right. I'm going to go. 30 to 10 Cowboys. Nice. I just See, I think I think the Jets are going to be feisty, but I think the quarterback's just not going to be good enough to do to be able to score enough points to keep up with the Cowboys. I think it's probably the Yeah. No. The I think the defense is 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 definitely going to be, you know, give them a few issues, but I mean, I think you you know, you're crazy not to think that the Cowboys defense couldn't score another touchdown or two this game against Zach Wilson. Um, and then, like I said, you know, I just I think this offense kind of found its way, found its rhythm throughout the the, the game Monday night, um, even in the conditions. And I just think, you know, in, in at home, in the stadium, no weather conditions and, you know, getting hopefully getting Tyler Smith back. I think they uh, I think they kind of, you know, stick their chest out a little bit, force their hand, and, and really prove to be, hey, uh, you know, we, we, we might not have lit it on fire offensively in week one, but we've knocked that, you know, we've closed that door, opened this one, and we're ready to roll. Like I said, I mean, maybe it's week one optimism. I've, I've said that a couple times, and, man, I just – I think that they're uh, – as you just stated, I think they – from a position – from that position groups that you're looking to be really, really good at, I think they're one of, if not the best in the league, a lot of them, and I think they'll 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 show that and force that hand on, on Sunday. So we'll be back next week, obviously, to talk about week two and recap week three. Uh, we got a big one coming up Sunday against the Jets. I know a lot of people have the Jets still in their top five, six, seven power rankings that came out today, even with the Aaron Rodgers injury. So the Cowboys can go and beat, you know, a top 15 team in week one and then a top 10 team or so in week two. They, uh, they'll really be really, uh, they'll really be making a name for themselves and probably be getting a lot of mainstream media talk. And that's probably the one, I guess, concern you can say about this team so far is you just hope that they don't, they don't eat the cheese and start, you know, getting too fat and happy too early because it's a long season. A lot of things can change, but we feel really good about this way, the way this team started the season. And I think we feel pretty good about the way they're going into week two. And 
keeping that uh keeping that energy is is probably the one thing that we're we're looking to see in week two and then carry on into week three week four and so on and so forth so we'll be back next week on the talk and star podcast to talk more about this Cowboys team uh thank you guys so much for listening we'll see you then for talking and start